0: Good morning. Please pray with me. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. In the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak your eternal word to us. That we may respond to your gracious promises with faithfulness, service, and love. And all God's people said. Amen. Our New Testament selection is from the book of John, chapter 16, verses 31 through 33, found on page eleven forty nine of your Pew Bible. Again, John sixteen, thirty-one through 33, page 1149 in the Pew Bible. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world.
1: If you'll join me this morning in reading from our New Testament passage, uh, rather, our Old Testament passage. Our Old Testament passage comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verses 1 through 40. You can find it on page 43 in your pew Bible. It says this. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that, uh, that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. I want to stop there for just a second because, that, because we are Texan and we, we get that part of this. If you don't get any other part of the path, you get that path. How many times have you and I looked out at an animal and said, I don't care who you are, that's a beautiful cow, right? We get that part. And they fed on the reed grass, and behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk, and behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump bull ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold... It was a dream. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them the dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I woke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk full and good. Seven ears withered and thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after, uh, after them are seven years, and the seven empty, seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty all through the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all of the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And then let them gather all the foods of the good years that are coming and store up grains under the, the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. The food shall be reserved in the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, again, we say thank you, and we ask that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Horatio Spafford was well known in mid-1800s Chicago. He was a prominent lawyer and a senior partner at a large and thriving uh, law firm in the city. He made a large investment in real estate growing on the north end of Chicago, and things were looking great until October of that year when the Great Fire of Chicago destroyed his sizable investment and left it in ashes. Two years later, Horatio decided that he and his family should take a holiday and the decision was made to visit England. Uh, Because of some of the business concerns connected with the Great Fire and some zoning issues, he decided to send his family, his wife and four daughters, ages 11, 9, 5, and 2, ahead on the trip while he stayed to take care of business. While crossing the Atlantic, the ship that his family was on was hit by another ship. 226 people died, including Horatio's four young daughters. When his his wife arrives in England, she sends him a two-word telegram saved alone. Hard times hit. I'm not a prophet, but I can probably speak with 100% assurance you have either had hard times, you are having a hard time, or are in for hard times in your future. I know it. You know it. Horatio experienced it. Even Jesus, before he left this earth, wanted to make sure that we understood that following him would not mean that our life was simply a bed of roses. Following him would not exempt us from life's trials. In our New Testament passage, we hear him say, in this world, you, not might, not perhaps will have, but rather very clearly, in this world, you will have Tribulation. I don't think he could have been any clearer. The question is not, will hard times come? The question is, when hard times come, how will I respond? How will I respond when the world around me falls into chaos? I want to respond to tribulation like Joseph did. Like Horatio Spafford, Joseph's life was not necessarily a pretty story. He lost his mother when she gave birth to his youngest brother. His brothers despised him so much so that they sold him into slavery in a foreign country. He was falsely accused of sexual assault and then jailed for a crime that he did not commit. In jail, he helped a fellow inmate who was a person of influence and who promised Joseph that he would help him once he got his position back. And then he was promptly forgotten for two years. In the midst of chaos, we find Joseph standing true and firm. See, you and I have the advantage of Genesis 41. We get the rest of the story. We understand the victory that's coming. We understand the great turnaround that's going to happen. But Joseph couldn't know the end of the story. Joseph didn't know. He didn't have Genesis 41. He couldn't know that the end result of his story would be becoming the second most powerful man in the kingdom. He didn't know that the end of his story would be him, through him, the salvation of a nation, of nations, and his family. He would later recognize and look back and say, what was meant to harm me, God, lo- God used for a greater good. But in the moment, the only hope that he could hold on to was, as Howard wonderfully described last week, the greater body of God's work. He had heard of and seen God's faithfulness. Today, if you're hoping to hear a sermon on how God will keep you from all your trials, you're going to be a little disappointed. Joseph is proof that sometimes he won't keep you from your trials, but rather, in the midst of your chaos, you still have hope. As we study Joseph's amazing promotion in chapter 41, don't forget the chaos of chapter 40. As we read the story, and even in our lives, we want to jump straight to the victory. Yes, I believe we are more than conquerors. But conquering insinuates the idea of battle. I don't want to minimize the reality of the victory that God is going to bring into your situation. But I also don't want to deny the reality of the chaos in your life right now. In your turbulence, in your trial, in your situation, I want you to hear me this morning. This message might not be for you right now. I I get that. Uh, You might be able to say in the eloquent words of of a, a respected theologian, nacho libre, my life is good, really good, but maybe you're like me, and even when it looks like everything is under control, I still have those pockets of chaos that I don't talk about on Facebook. Maybe you have no idea because I'm good at shoving that chaos behind a closed door and telling you that the noise coming from there is a party. So if you have chaos confessed or unconfessed in your life, I want to tell you what you can learn from the life of Joseph. When hard, when hard times hit, here's the very first thing you can know. You can learn that and know that God is in control. Joseph could never have known that God's plan and purpose was evident in each and every detail of his life. He didn't understand that in the good times, God was in control. He couldn't have known that even in the bad times, God was in control because he sees a small picture and God sees the full picture. God has always been in control I love when we started this uh, sermon series on the story we started with the idea that God was in control Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 what does it say in the beginning God God created the heavens and the earth and now, now if I were to paraphrase that Orlando Lopez style I would have just written in the beginning God was in control Because when he spoke the light, the light existed. When he spoke the animals, the animals existed. When he spoke the the waves and the heavens, they began to exist. God was in control since the very, very beginning. I like the way Paul puts it in Romans. Romans chapter 11, verses Verse 36, it says this, Romans eleven thirty six says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. From him, through him, to him. See, I'm a little bit more concise of a writer than Paul. He's more eloquent than I. But I, you know what I would have written right there had I been writing that verse? I would have just put, God is in control. Because everything that happens comes from him and comes through him and is for him and to him. He is in control of every circumstance and every situation in our life. Look at the life of Joseph. Joseph's life descends into chaos. I'm sorry, when you're sitting in a prison for a crime you did not commit, that's a little bit of chaos in your life. But in that moment of chaos, God had not lost control. God never lost control. We don't always see the picture. We we think our life is chaos, but I want to assure you that God is still in control, working things in our life that perhaps we don't understand in the moment. Just because we have trials and tribulations doesn't mean that God doesn't know what he's doing. It just simply means that we don't understand what he's doing. I love this, this, this image, this image of a tapestry. On the right-hand side, you actually see what the front of the tapestry looks like. And you see that beautiful image that's created. But if you turn that tapestry around, it looks like chaos. And sometimes we're looking at the back of the tapestry saying, my life is messed up. Oh my gosh, my trials. And God says, you know what? I haven't lost control. You're just looking at the wrong side. Come to the front and I'd like to show you what's going on. God is in control in the midst of your difficult circumstances. God still has his hand on your life, working and weaving something that is greater than what you can see right now and in this moment. I don't know. I know that I heard this first here at First Pres. I'm almost sure I heard it from Murray. uh, And I don't know if it's original to someone else. But I heard this, nothing comes into our lives that hasn't been filtered through God's ever-loving fingers. He is in control. And the great thing about being in control is that nothing surprises him. You can surprise me. You can shock me. You can do something that I would never have expected But God is neither shocked nor surprised. You can't hit him with something unexpected. He is in control. Nothing surprises him. Your cancer diagnosis surprised you. It didn't surprise God. God is in control. Your broken marriage surprised you. But in the midst of that, God knew. God is still in control. Your failed business was unexpected. But God never lost control. The circumstance that you have with your children and their poor decisions blindsided you. But it did not blindside God. God stays and stands in control. When hard times hit from the life of Joseph, learn that God stays in control. Not only that, not only does he stay in control, God provides divine wisdom. Have you ever found yourself so lost that you didn't know what to do? I have. It's kind of like when I play Super Smash Brothers. With my children. When I play Super Smash Brothers with my children, I have no earthly idea how to play Super Smash Brothers. And so they've got, they, they, they know that, they've researched the whatever, whatever online, and they know that if they go up, up, down, down, A, B, X, Y, he does this really cool spin move. And I have no idea how any of that works. So guess what I do? My strategy in Super Smash Brothers is just hit all the buttons. (laughs) Sometimes it works. Most times it doesn't. Maybe you've been in that kind of situation where you're just like, I don't don't even know. I'm just going to hit all the buttons. In those moments when you don't know what to do, know that there is a God... Who gives divine wisdom. Joseph. Joseph's life is in chaos. But even in the midst of the chaos of his life. Joseph continues to get divine wisdom from God. God gives him divine wisdom to become head of Potiphar's house. God gives him divine wisdom to be in jail. And end up the servant of the captain of the guard. God gives him divine wisdom to interpret dreams, and he recognizes it. When Pharaoh calls him forward and says, I've had this dream, and I know that you can interpret it because someone told me, he says, no, 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 I can't do it, but God will give you a favorable answer. There's chaos coming to the land of Egypt. Seven years of famine. My life goes into chaos if I miss breakfast, and there's going to be seven years of famine. But in the midst of that, God gives Joseph divine wisdom on how to handle the situation. When you don't know what to do, you have access to the one who knows everything. I grew up in the time of Miss Chloe um, or uh, Dion, um, Dion Warwick, who does the, the uh, Psychic, Friends, uh, Psychic Friends Network, right? Right? Um, and I, I remember a time when it was just the thing to constantly call your psychic friends to get advice for your life. Uh, horoscope, popular thing, still in the newspapers, right? And I look at the, I don't, I promise you I don't. But people look at their horoscope to determine what to do with their lives. They don't know what to do. Let me look at this little horoscope that someone sitting in the office thought, mm, yeah, I'll write this today. And my thing is, why, why do we look to the stars when we don't know what to do? The truth is, we can look to the one who hung the stars to give us divine wisdom in our moments of chaos, in our moments when we don't know what to do. I, I like the way James puts it, James chapter one, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you doesn't know what to do, if you are in chaos and all you know to do is push all the buttons, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. In the midst of your tribulation, your trial, your circumstance, your chaos, when you don't know what to do, Call on God. And He will give you His divine wisdom. When hard times hit, when hard times hit, know that God is in control. Know that God provides divine wisdom. When hard times hit, live your life as a testimony. I love this quote from Rosa Parks. She says, Each person must live their life. As a model for others. In our story we, we see Joseph come before Pharaoh. Be, he, he comes before pagan Pharaoh. This isn't godly, good, Christian Pharaoh. This is pagan Pharaoh. And he interprets the dream and gives glory to God. And, and, and what's this pagan Pharaoh's response. This pagan Pharaoh looks at what God, the one true only God, is doing in the life of Joseph. And he says, there there isn't anyone who has the wisdom of the one true God like this guy does. And Pharaoh gets exposed to the one who truly reigns in the universe. It was Joseph's life living as a model and as an example for pagan pharaoh. Sometimes we go through things, not so God can teach us a lesson, but so we can model what it is to trust God in difficult and trying circumstances. We see it in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's a blind man and people approach Jesus and say, "This guy, what, what, what's what's his story? Why is he blind? Is he blind because he sinned? Was he like, oh, look at that woman right there, woohoo? And then you struck him blind? Maybe maybe it was his mama sinned. Maybe his mom was." carrying him in her womb, and she did something that didn't please you, didn't please God, and boom, he he was struck blind in the womb. Or or maybe it was his dad. Maybe his dad did something. Who who sinned that this man should be blind? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This, this, This didn't happen to this man because of this man. This happened so that you would see the glory of God so that you could experience from his life and what I'm about to do in him so that you could experience and see what God can do in you. Sometimes we live our lives simply as an example and as a testimony. That's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitate him. So that when trial and chaos comes to your life, they can ultimately see God in you and your circumstance. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 also says it this way. It says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want to live my life in the midst of trial and tribulation and chaos so that other people can see my good works and not glorify Orlando, but rather glorify God. In the midst of your tribulation, live your life as an example. Live your life as a testimony. Know that God provides wisdom and that he is never... Lost control. When hard times hit, how will you respond? Will you have the calm assurance of Joseph? Will you have the calm assurance that God is in control and that he will give you wisdom to overcome? In your chaos, will you live your life as an example to others? My prayer is that you and I can respond to trials like Joseph. like our friend Horatio Spafford Horatio Spafford boarded a boat to England to join his grieving wife he asked to be informed when his ship passed over the area where his four young daughters lost their lives and in that spot he took a pen in hand not to write out bitter words or words of complaint to God He wrote the words of one of the church's dearly loved hymns. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot. Thou hast taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that in the midst of our chaos, we can say it is well with our soul. Because you are still in control. Because you give us divine wisdom. And because you allow our lives to serve as a testimony to others. In the midst of our trials, let us not lose sight of the lessons we can learn through the life of Joseph.